You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Are you ready for God's word this Sunday morning? All right, open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews and chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 4. This is our month to enter the rest. We are entering the rest of God. If you believe it, come and say amen. And let's rise up for the reading of God's word as is our good custom in honor of the second person of the Trinity. It's a bit of a long read this Sunday morning. Not that long, but long in terms of you being used to reading only two or three verses. We're reading 11 verses. Hebrews 4 verse 1 to 11. I would encourage you to still find time on your own to go back to this portion of Scripture and just sit on it and let God speak to you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 11. Let's read together. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of us seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter the rest, as he has said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience, again he designates a certain day, saying in David, today... After such a long time as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. For there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also seized from his works as God did from his Let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. The original King James translation renders verse 11 this way. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall again after the same example of unbelief. The New King James talks about disobedience The original King James talks about unbelief. It says that we should labor to enter into rest. Now, to labor is to work hard, to toil, to sweat. So that already creates a little bit of a contradiction that am I supposed to labor so that I can rest? The instruction to labor, to enter rest, seems to be a bit contradictory. Uh, But it is actually not, because there's a particular labor that he's talking about that leads to rest. Uh, He instructs us that we should labor to enter into the rest. Uh, For him to tell us to do that, it lets you know that there is a rest to be entered into. I've simply come to lay a simple but strong foundation this Sunday, and that foundation is simply, there remains a rest. There's a rest for you. 
there is a rest for you. I said there is a rest for you. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Mighty Father, I ask that you send the anointing that makes preaching, teaching, sharing your truth easy, that you cause my tongue to be as a pen of very right tongue, that I might describe upon the hearts of the men and women here your living truth. And by reason of that truth, may we be elevated to a new level of experience with you. Lord, open our eyes as regards the rest and indeed bring us into that rest. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. And the people said aloud, amen. amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Most High God. Hallelujah. I came to tell you that there remains a rest. I don't know what you are going through right now, but there remains a rest for you. I don't know what has gotten you up late and early, keeps you up late at night, wakes you up early in the morning, but I came to tell you there is a rest. I don't know what's making you run helter-skelter up and down all over the place, but I came to tell you this Sunday morning, there is a rest for you. I don't know what has gotten you all full of worry and anxiety, but there remains a rest. I don't know what has gotten you stressed and strained, but there remains a rest. You are not created for stress, you are created for rest. If you believe it, come and shout amen. Uh, and so I'm going to dive right into our pilot text. The pilot text is so loaded with so much revelation, yet there's not enough time, even in this morning, to fully exegete every nuance in that portion of Scripture. It tells us in the portion of Scripture that the Israelites were not able to enter the rest of God. And he was talking about when they were about to enter into the promised land, being led by Joshua. After all of their stress, they still did not enter the rest. We must therefore interrogate why they could not or did not enter into the rest of God. In verse 6, it tells us that the reason that they did not enter was because of disobedience. Disobedience. But what disobedience is this? It is when we go back to the original King James translation that we find that, that the original King James translation does not translate the word as disobedience. It translates it as unbelief. So we start to see that the disobedience that it's speaking about here is the disobedience of unbelief, the disobedience of not believing. There was a promise of rest but they did not enter into that promise of rest because of unbelief. The promise was given, but it did not profit them because they did not mix the hearing of the promise with faith in their own hearts. The word which they heard did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. For the word to profit you and to have effect in your life it has to be mixed with faith. There is profit in the word of God. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 15, it says, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that your profiting may appear to all. Hallelujah. Can I prophesy to somebody? That as you give yourself to meditating in God's word, in being, to being established in the truth of his rest, your profiting will appear to all. Oh my goodness. You are planted in the house of God, but you are going to flourish in the courts. God is going to bless you so much that it cannot be hidden. If you believe it, shout amen. 
It has to be mixed with faith. So we start to see that what disqualified that generation of the Israelites from entering into the rest was their unbelief, the disobedience of unbelief. So faith is key, is the master key to entering into the rest of God. This word of rest will not profit you if you don't mix it with faith. If you don't believe it, you can't receive it. Faith is the receiver of everything that God gives. There is a rest, but it is accessed by faith. Now, when we read that text, it's an interesting one too, because uh, it says that the rest that was promised the Israelites by Moses and then by Joshua was actually a type and a shadow of a future rest. Because he said that if Joshua had been able to deliver them into rest, then he wouldn't have spoken about another rest. So the rest that Joshua brought the Israelites into was a type and a shadow. The word of God lets us know. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths. Somewhere in this month, we're going to talk about the Sabbath, the mystery of the Sabbath, and what it really means. It says, let no man judge you as regards these things, which are a shadow. These are a shadow. How many of you have ever been able to hold a shadow? How many of you have been able to hug a shadow? How many of you have been able to carry a shadow? You can't. It's intangible. But the shadow points to the reality of something tangible, a substance. Now, he's saying that these things are an example to us. They are a shadow. They are a type. And then in verse 17 of Colossians chapter 2, he says, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Hallelujah. When you understand this, you start reading the Old Testament and you start to realize that the majority of what is there is a type and a shadow pointing to the real substance in, under the new covenant, which is Christ. In verse 8, it said that Joshua was going to give them rest, but this, even the rest that Joshua was going to give them was a type and a shadow. He would not have spoken of another rest if there had not been, if, if there wasn't another rest. This was just something to typify what was to come. Oh, the rest that Joshua spoke of and delivered was a type and shadow. It was not the substance, it was not the real thing. In fact, let me put it to you this way. The rest that Joshua delivered to the children of Israel that followed him into the promised land was inferior. It was inferior to the rest that would come by Christ Jesus. Woo! As, as inferior as a shadow is to the substance, so is the rest that Joshua spoke about and that which Christ brings. The substance is Christ. There remains a rest for us different from the rest that they experienced and superior to the rest that they knew. And we have access to that rest, that superior rest, that, that overflowing rest, that stupendous rest. We have access to that rest even today. If you believe it, shout amen. But when was this rest procured? 
Again, when we read that Hebrews chapter 4, we started to see in our pilot text alludes to the timing of when this rest was procured. When it says in verse 3 that the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now, no one enters into rest. This is the, the principle that is being shared in this scripture, but he that has seized from his works, that has finished his work, and he's telling us that the works were finished from the foundation of the earth, the works of God. Whew! This rest was not just secured now or just yesterday or tomorrow, but it was secured right from the beginning. In fact, I would suggest and postulate to you this Sunday morning that man was created after this rest was procured, was secured. In fact, man was created for rest, to live and function from and in rest. <laughs> when we study the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, we see uh, God's modus operandi, how he does things. You see, when God does something, when he creates a living thing, before he creates that living thing, he creates an environment in which the living thing will be able to live and thrive. So he creates the seas before he creates the fish that will live in the sea. So he creates the heavens before he creates the birds that will fly and live in the heavens. He created the earth before he created the animals uh, that would live and thrive on the earth. Uh, in the environment that God creates for a thing is everything that thing needs to survive and to thrive. Oh my. And you, you see, the truth be told, when a thing does not stay in the habitat that God created for it, then it struggles to live and to thrive. Also, oh, if you take a fish out of water, it's just a matter of time. That fish will splutter and splutter till it finally dies because it's out of the environment that God intended for it to live and thrive in. Now, God created everything in the earth domain before he created man and put man on the earth. This means that this is the, the domain, this earth, this world. It's a domain in which man is meant to live and to thrive. Oh, can I go a little bit further? That the real domain in which God created man was his presence. And every time you continue to abide in his presence, then you will live and you will thrive. I'm going to go deeper. I'm going somewhere with this. He set up everything. He created everything. The final creation was man. All things were prepared. This is the way God operates. He prepares everything you will need, then calls you to enjoy all that he has prepared. This is his nature. This is his character. Uh, Jesus told a parable in the book of Matthew and chapter 22 of the king that prepared a wedding feast for his son. And in verse 4, he made a profound statement where he said, 
all things are ready. This is a prophetic word I need to declare this Sunday morning. All things are ready. This same story was, was reiterated in Luke chapter 14 and verse 17. All things are now ready. Can I take a station break and preach it like I feel it? All things are now ready. Whatever you need, he has already provided it. For you are already blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. That new job, it's ready. That promotion, it's ready. That new car, it's ready. That deliverance, it's ready. Is anybody hear me what I'm saying? That breakthrough, it's ready. That healing, it's ready. That lifting, it's ready. Whatever you need, it's already ready. If you believe it, shout amen. <sighs> this is God's modus operandi. He prepares before prepares. He, he shuts it up before he brings you on the scene. Ooh, hallelujah. Ah, when you think about this, when you think about this being his character, and then you now consider that man was the pinnacle creation of God. So God created man. Let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness. He created man on the sixth day. The pinnacle creation, after I had created everything else. And then the scripture lets us know that God rested on the seventh day, for he had finished his work. Uh, so man was the final creation on the sixth day. And then God rested on the seventh day. So man's first day, uh, man's first day of cognition, awareness, and reality was actually God's seventh day, all right? Man's first day was God's seventh day. And God's seventh day was God's day of rest. So man, in essence, was born into God's seventh day. Man was born into the rest of God. The first cognitive experience of the living man on earth was the rest of God. This teaches us, this preaches to us that God wants you to start from rest. Our best creations come out of rest. Oh, you don't hear me what I'm saying. Religion and religiosity and self-righteousness wants us to start from work. But God says, no, I want you to start from rest and let the works come out of your rest. Can I preach this thing like I feel it? He doesn't say work and then sit. He says, first of all, be seated with Christ in heavenly places and then from that position, start to operate. Man was born into rest. Man was born for rest. You weren't born for stress. You were born for rest. I don't know what's stressing you right now, but I came to prophesy, to decree and declare that stress is coming to an end as you embrace the revelation of God's rest. Hallelujah. If you believe it, come and shout yes. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God rested <laughs> on the seventh day, 
We're going to have fun this month. Don't miss any Sunday. Because there's too much truth that... I'm just laying a foundation. Just, just laying a foundation this Sunday. God finished his work on the sixth day and rested on the seventh day. You only qualify to rest if you finish the work. If you haven't finished the work, <laughs> then your rest is illegitimate. God finished the work and therefore he rested. Now, why would God rest? Because he couldn't rest like we rest because we rest because we are tired. God can't get tired. He's inexhaustible. So there are other reasons why God rested. And we'll talk about that, not this Sunday morning. Hallelujah. God rested on the seventh day because he had finished the work. So he rested on the finished work. So the rest I'm speaking about is the rest of the finished work. You too must learn to rest on the finished work. Rest is only justified when the work is finished. So the work is finished, so rest. You've got to cast a revelation of the fact that the work is already finished so I can rest. We're going to redefine text, the rest at some point in time because the rest is not, not necessarily the cessation of activity. It, it, rest is an act, you still continue in activity, but not from a position of it's not done. You're actually continuing the activity because it's done. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? So what is this work that God finished that he now rested from? Now, typically, we understand the work to be the sixth day of creation, and then he rested on the seventh. But then the book of Revelations in chapter 13 and verse 8 says to me that, and all that dwell on the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of, of life, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, in Hebrews early on, we just read that because he had finished the work from the foundation of the world. So we see the connection here when he says that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the earth. So what I'm trying to get you to see is that the works that God finished, the real works that God finished that he now rested from, from the foundation of the world was the, the rest of the slain of the lamb. This is a mystery, but a wonderful blessing. It's hard for our finite minds to grasp what I'm saying to you. Because at best, our finite minds will say the Lamb of God, who is Jesus, was slain 2,000 plus years ago on Golgotha's brow, Calvary, that's where he was slain. But according to Revelations chapter 13, according to what Hebrews is saying, this lamb was not just slain there. He was slain before everything else started. He was slain from the foundation of the earth. Whew, my goodness, how do I grasp this? How, how do I understand this? This is God. 
because God is omniscient, uh, knows all things, uh, all wise, he's omnipotent, has all power, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere at, at all times, and in all times, at all times. God is not living in time, God is living outside of time. Therefore, whenever God is telling you something, he's not telling you something he's going to do. For him, he's telling you something he has already done. Now, we might experience it in time, but God has already experienced it in eternity. So for you, the lamb was slain 2,000 plus years ago. From God's perspective, he was slain before the world even got into motion. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? The work was finished before it started. This is God. Anything he starts, he has already finished. It means that if it starts, this is why Paul is able to so confidently said, say that I am confident, I am fully persuaded that he who has begun this good work in you will bring it to completion because he's a finisher. He finished it before he started it. So rest on the finished work. So no matter what I'm going through, I can still be confident that it is done, already done. Nothing is taken in by surprise. It's already done. The lamb is already slain. <laughs> we are meant to therefore function from the position of the finished work. When you know that it is already done, you will not stress. When you know that it is already done, you will not stress. How could Jesus sleep in a ship? that was filling up with water, about to drown, and not panic because he was functioning in the rest zone. There is a rest zone where you know that all things are already done, therefore you are not perturbed by all hell breaking loose around you. How could Peter sleep in prison? How could Paul and Silas uh, start a praise worship session with chains in, on their hands? Because they were functioning from the rest zone. It's time to enter the rest zone. Hallelujah. And the communion table which we approach today is a picture of the finished work and of the rest of God. So Jesus says, this is a powerful portion of scripture and I think we'll, we'll get to exegete it during this month in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 to 30. He says, come all ye who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, and find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Come, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come find rest today at the Lord's table. Come enter the rest, because there remains a rest. What burden have you carried? All ye that labor, straining, stressing, toiling, stretching, to get this done, 
to achieve this, to go there, to go here. Labor, toiling all night, but catching nothing. Labor, laboring to impress God, not knowing that he's already been fully impressed by Christ on your behalf. Laboring to fulfill the law, laboring to be perfect, when somebody has already been perfect for you, laboring, heavy laden, with all sorts of man-made rules and prescriptions and confinements, just laboring, a heavy laden with self-judgments, heavy laden with so much worry and anxiety. Come unto me. I will give you rest. Learn of me. Be discipled by me. Be established in present truth. For I am lowly and meek of heart. And you will find rest for your souls. So many of us don't have rest for our souls. You know how it is. You go to sleep, you sleep six hours, and you wake up still tired. Because though your body rested, your soul did not. It was full of anxiety and worry. He says, come and find rest for your souls. How can you find rest for your soul when all hell is breaking loose? Because you know the finished work. Because you know that all things are working together for your good. Oh, I, I'm not speaking these things from a religious pedestal or, or, or condescendingly. I too have my situations and my issues, my, my, my challenges, my wondering, oh, Lord, how will this sort itself? But he says, rest. I've got it all in hand. You might be surprised that this shocked at that, but I ain't. Rest. I've got it all in hand. I'm working all things together for your soul for your good. And so, today when we go and come to the communion table, we come with a full understanding of the finished work. We come with the revelation of the rest of God already provided for us. But it first of all starts by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And though I will right now give an opportunity for those that haven't yet accepted him as Lord and Savior to accept him right now, I want you to realize that that is, I'm not doing that because of religious perfunctory behavior. You know, the religious perfunctory behavior is every time we're about to go to the communion table, we've got to give people opportunity to be saved and for people to repent of their sins. Um, because it's premised up behind the idea that if you are not saved or if you are in sin and you partake of this table, the table will kill you. That devil is a liar. This table is a table of blessing. There's no, no, no death with this table. Hallelujah. So there's no reason to be afraid of this table. Amen. 
However, if you partake of this table without understanding a revelation, then you just took a snack. It's not killing you. You just, you just took a snack. It's, it's not having the blessing it should have in your life. It's not halting or reversing anything negative in your life. That means if there's anything negative in your life, that thing continues. Hallelujah. But it's important I give the opportunity. So if you are out there today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and your Savior, or you have strayed away from the path and you want to renew your dedication to him today, please repeat these words of prayers after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for the price that you paid. Thank you for taking my place. Thank you for standing in the gap for me. Thank you for fully redeeming me and reconciling me back unto God. Today, today, I accept that awesome gift. I believe with my heart, I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord and you are my Savior. I am therefore a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am born again. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you repented of your sin, you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, guess what? You are saved. You are now a child of God. We want to help you to grow, to become a son of God. So please get in touch with us on any of our platforms, direct message us or email us, and we will help you to grow in the house of the Lord, into, into a mature son. We also want to encourage you to join this house or any good house of God anywhere because it is through the fellowship of the brethren that we are able to grow the further. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HOTR London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, visit our website on hotr.org.uk.